you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to this podcast. Yeah, this is your friend and your brother, Ken Blanchard. What you been up to? How you been? I can't say I've been chilling like a villain. I have been podcasting at kenspodcast.com and trying to do something new for the brothers, for the fathers, for men trying to make a difference, trying not to be the same old, same old, trying to be a game changer. That's the name of the podcast, actually. Kenspodcast.com. But, you know, I'm sitting over here and watching the world burn. And my friends in Virginia have been calling me and we're going to be doing some stuff probably in the future. So I haven't totally retired. Now I'm like semi-retired, but I got a good break. And then our friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association, the blog, asked me to write a few things. And, you know, my heart is in American history. And since we're celebrating the contributions, the struggle of Americans of color, right up my alley, right? You already know who it is. It's black man with the gun, Rip Ken Blanchard's the one Interviewing the ones who make a difference for fun It's black man with the gun, of course the show's about guns But it's top with education, it's about to come on It's black man with the gun Got control, it's history and every single guest Just has that spirit that you can't believe It's black man with the gun It's your host Rip Ken and he's about to start the show Contagious here to let you know It's black man with the gun <laughs> Black man with the gun. Man, I miss talking to you. Did you know that black history is shackled to gun control? Yeah. After the Civil War, domestic terrorism was an acceptable practice across the South. Segregationist policies, known as Jim Crow, soon became common law. The Ku Klux Klan began a campaign of intimidation and violence against the newly freed slaves and anybody that supported them. Laws that prohibited African Americans from being able to obtain a license before being able to carry or possess firearms, Bowie knives became part of the mindset of people of color in order to survive. These restrictive gun laws made it difficult for night riders to generate the correct level of terror in a victim who was returning fire. So I highly recommend you do that. Generations, though, of matriarchs forbid the ownership of arms to protect the men in the family from being lynched. That's why grandma, that's why your mom, that's why big mama, big sister, forbid arms in the house. It's a generational thing to keep the men from being pulled out of the house in the middle of the night for owning a piece of pellet, a shot, a knife. Even pit bulls were not allowed in some places because you could protect yourself with that. Black codes were created to limit the freedom of African-Americans and ensure their availability as cheap labor. Way after slavery was abolished, Mississippi and South Carolina enacted the first black codes. Mississippi's law required blacks to have written evidence of employment or be subject to arrest. Gun control laws were blatantly expressed in these codes from Virginia to Texas. Texas provided strong evidence of their racist intentions behind the gun control laws in Cochram versus the state in 1859. When you had people denied arms, it just pushed the whole stereotype of blacks and Hispanics into the knife culture. But the journey didn't stop here and neither did gun control. From 1916 to 1970, six million African-Americans from the rural South to the cities of the North, Midwest and West headed North, where they took advantage of the need for industrial workers that arose during World War I. Gun control laws popped up in the same places that African-Americans moved. Called the Great Migration, blacks left the South, usually traveling by train, boat or bus. A smaller number had automobiles and even horse-drawn carts, but they were unable to shake racism. 
In the decade between 1910 and 1920, the black population of major northern cities grew by larger percentages, including New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Detroit. Women, for some reason, had a harder time finding work, spurring heated competition for domestic labor positions, overcrowding, and the cost of living in segregated areas, plus a resurgence of the Klan after 1915, worsened black and white relations across the country. The summer of 1919 began the greatest period of interracial strife in U.S. history at that time, including a disturbing wave of race riots. One of the worst happened in Chicago in 1919. Concurrently, and somewhat related, the history of African Americans can be traced through music, where what was happening at the time could be heard in the Southern Roots music known as the blues. Each region had its own form, and the blues also spawned the American genres known as jazz and rock and roll. Mentions of guns being used for murdering rivals can be heard on a lot of bootleg stuff, not too much on the mainstream. Kind of like rap was in the 90s. Blues was there first. Not particularly liked by the church people. But I digress. Black migration slowed considerably in the 1930s when the country sank into the Great Depression. But it picked right back up again with the coming of World War II and the need for wartime production. But returning black soldiers found that the GI Bill didn't always promise the same post-war benefits for everybody. The soldier dissented against the racist gun control laws even more than others having tasted freedom abroad. And possibly being a combat veteran with arms he was unable to own prior to being enlisted. Many of these veterans brought their firearms home. Hunters from the South had a difficult time convincing that urban family that this was still acceptable. It spurred almost a secret society of outdoorsmen within the community. You know that uncle you got that hunts? That old uncle from the country? Mm-hmm. The same uncle that if something happened, everybody went to go get to rescue somebody? Yeah. You know, now it's me. In the mid to late 60s, crime began to increase. The civil rights era is now full swing. The country is involved in a long war in Vietnam. There is a concern about African Americans having easy accessibility to guns. And in 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. In 1965, Malcolm X was murdered. In 1968, Martin Luther King, or the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and Robert Kennedy were assassinated. The cities were on fire with urban rioting. Congress passes the Gun Control Act of 1968. By 1970, when the Great Migration ended, its results were unmistakable. Gun control laws were connected like shackles. Gun control remains the strictest in the same cities where people of color once migrated to in the greatest numbers. The culture of prohibition lives on by people that are intentionally ignorant or disregard our history as a matter of course. This is your week in black history. I'm black history and I'll talk to you next time. Oh yeah. And before I go, let me just say thank you. Thank you for still supporting your brother. Um, your donations on our Patreon account has allowed me to keep the post up, keep the blog going, keep the website going, the hosting going so that folks are still checking it out. And then when I got the inspiration to do this little bit, it was there for me. So thank you very, very much for believing in a brother and keeping me solvent. You know, maybe I'm supposed to come back. I don't know. The world may never know.
but I'll tell you first. Again, check out Ken Blanchard's Game Changers at kenspodcast.com. Shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. 